Hello and welcome to episode 54 of the Classic Lenses podcast. My name is Simon Forster and I'm hosting this podcast in Stoke-on-Trent in the UK. Joining me today is Carl Havens in Gainesville, Florida. Hello, Carl. Good morning from cloudy Florida. <laughs> At least it's not as cold as uh, where Johnny is joining us in uh, Chicago, Illinois. Hello, Johnny. Uh, I, I, hello. Um, I'm just looking out my window at the rapidly melting snow because it's 50 degrees here today. So we, oh, great. Yeah, yeah. We've had we've had like a what a 300 degree temperature swing this week. So <laughs> I was going to say 50 degrees. Isn't that a hip? Isn't that that's a heat wave? Isn't it? That's hotter than Australia. Oh yeah. This is. I'm going to be barbecuing today. This is outside barbecue. This is party. Go to the beach weather almost for Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> Right, well, um, before we get going with the main part of the show, there's uh, something I need to uh, talk about, and that is that we have changed our podcast host, uh, because formerly we were with a company called Podmeo, and now we've moved to somebody called Podbean, um, who seems to be a, a bigger company, and they do a few things better than uh, than Podmeo, in, in particular, uh, the way that our... Um, so, it is sort of a web page um, that uh, that Podmeo had and Podbean has, um, where you can actually go to see things such as um, show notes and things like that. Now the Podmeo one never worked properly; it didn't display the pictures correctly, and it only gave about six lines of text for the uh, for the notes. So we never really pointed anybody in that direction. Uh, but the the Podbean page. Um, is much much better than that and uh, you can actually see podcast notes directly uh, from there so um, I think it's gone quite well the changeover um, because I do hear horror stories about when you actually change a podcast from uh, one host to another and I've only actually had one report of double downloads um, so hopefully uh, that's relatively isolated and there aren't too many people who are uh, using up all their data and, and downloading 53 previous episodes of the, the Classic Lenses podcast. Uh, if you have, I'm sorry, uh, uh, but hopefully uh, that's gone okay. So um, fingers crossed that's going to work work for us now. So then moving on to today's show, um, I think that it would be fair to say that most listeners at some point have thought, you know what, I'd like to make my own camera and, and make it do the things that I want it to do. The thing is, though, that tends to be something that would last for a few seconds, a few minutes or whatever, and then we go get back to either going back to sleep or turning the channel on the television or, or whatever. But I've, we've got somebody on the show that decided that they did want to make their own camera and they wanted it to make it in a, a way that was adaptable for the maximum number of people and instead of switching the, cha the channel over to the next thing or whatever or going back to sleep he actually decided to do something about it so today i'm delighted to welcome our uh, guest uh, ralph palandry of pond camera hello ralph ralph <laughs> hello ralph ralph it's okay <laughs> We were chatting beforehand. <laughs> <laughs> we, were chat we were chatting beforehand, and I was trying to uh, trying to get your name right. Uh, it's, uh, your full name is Raffaello, which I'm saying incorrectly, and I know that. And we decided on Raf, and I can't even say that properly now. So uh, I do apologise. So, uh, but hello and uh, well, welcome to the show. Hello, hello. Don't worry, don't worry, Raf. Raf, <laughs> <laughs> Raf, you're you're just lucky. Your your name is in Takimara. That's all I have to say. <laughs> 
Raynox. Yes. Um, yeah, we, we, we're not going to talk any Raynox in this episode. Um, we'll John will explode. So uh, we'll, 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 we'll stay off that subject uh, this week at least, but I'm sure we will get back to it. Um, but anyway, back with, back with today's show. Um, uh, Raph. We there was there were so many questions that we've got for you because you've you've come up with a, a design of camera and you're you're trying to bring this to the market. Um, but I think before we go into that, I think it'd be a great idea if uh, perhaps you could uh, tell our listeners uh, a little bit about yourself, um, about your photography in general, your interest in it, um, how you perhaps you got it started, and ultimately what happened to bring you to this point where you know you're trying to bring a new camera to the market. Yes, thank you. First of all, thank you for having me here today. It's a real pleasure being able to explain why I did all this journey until now. Well, um, I'm Italian, uh, but uh, I travel all over Europe and uh, essentially for business and for pleasure. And uh, now I'm in Germany, Nürnberg, Bavaria, uh, but uh, I come from uh, a part of my journey in the UK, uh, in Scotland, Dunfermline. It was the city where I lived for more than a couple of years. Uh, about me, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a coach, I'm a mm, passionate photographer. Uh, you choose the order, the result will not change. Um, I definitely I'm interested in uh, everything I can uh, modify, uh, fix and change with my hands. So that's why at a certain point, uh, being a collector of cameras and being a repairer on my own of cameras, I started thinking, well, why cannot I try to make the camera of my dreams? So a camera that allows me to shoot in film and in digital, uh, because being a user of uh, both technologies and uh, having been in my career uh, always struggling with people who has two different words but cannot have them uh, connect together and my job is precisely finding solutions where two different words can communicate between them i decided to do the same with photography so i decided to take hopefully the best from uh, both words, so from film and digital. And so that's how PONF has born. PONF, by the way, is an acronym for Photography on Film. So that, that, that's in really short way who I am and uh, how I decided to start. Okay, okay. so you've, uh, you've, you've got a, 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 a you're passionate about photography, you you love old equipment, you, re, you repair your old equipment, and mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm making the assumption you've, you're, you're pretty good at repairing your old cameras if, if you could make that leap to think that you could actually make your own camera. Yes, I hope to be able to do so. Uh, I've, uh, I've got my first camera when I was eight years old and uh, uh, as it was a disaster I ended uh, crunching up the lens uh, because I smashed on the ground uh, forgetting how delicate uh, it was uh, so as I didn't want to be punished by uh, my grandpa who gave me the camera 
I dismantled the lens and I tried to figure out how to repair it. Uh, it was not an easy task for an eight-year-old boy. Oh. <laughs> Internet was not available. Uh, so I decided to take it to a repairer uh, with a friend of mine that was uh, 14 at the age. And I asked to this repairer, oh, could you show me how a lens is made? And uh, so that started. Uh, and uh, from that moment on, every time that I got a new camera, the first real thing that I did was disassembling it and trying to understand and to figure out uh, why it was different in shape, in color, and in uh, uh, technical specs uh, with respect to the other ones that I had. So my collection started, of course, with compact cameras. Uh, then I started using reflex cameras. Uh, later, I started with Bellows cameras in uh, 4x5 format. And that was a really amazing format for me because you can uh, mount the camera, dismantle it or <laughs> remount it uh, in, uh, and essentially do whatever you want from the camera. So uh, this is what I was able to do. And uh, then arrived the digital cameras. And uh, as I am uh, quite, uh, I mean, quite an expert in IT because um, part of my career as a consultant was to, to provide digital solution to uh, part to the Italian government, to big companies. So uh, when the digital cameras arrived, I was able to understand and to figure out how they worked. And since the very beginning of digital photography, I tried to use film equipment on digital cameras and vice versa. Um, so at a certain point, uh, when the things seemed to be diverging, I decided to try to put them together again. And uh, I tried to figure out a way where I could actually make a camera uh, with the interchangeable backs. So you can snap on a single body that hosts your lens uh, a film back. So you can choose the film you want. You can use different film on, on the same format or going for different formats. Or you can choose to uh, use a digital back and... Uh, um, so this is the core of the of the idea, right? Now, it's I mean when I've when I've thought about doing something, um, usually I don't get very far because I I, I completely lack the skills in uh, all the necessary fields. I might have, I might have an idea, but actually taking it from there um, is not so easy. Um, now, in your case, you already had this this deep uh, interest and knowledge of uh, the mechanical side of things. And as you said there, you also have a, a excellent understanding of the electronics. So that, that puts you in a, in, already in a head start for, for doing what you're going to do. But the next point is, so there you are. So you, you've got skills and you've got feet in both camps. Um, how do you go about starting to I don't know, but you make a company, produce, and or how how do you make a camera from that point? How 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 what is the, what are the next steps along the the path? The the story is quite fun because uh, one day I was trying to build myself a four by five camera from really from scratch. So I was cutting wood, I was gluing the the wood to make the the body of the camera and to make the 
the bellows from uh, uh, a card box. Uh, and at a certain point, I uh, to test the uh, light tightness of the bellows and the body, I decided to use not a film because 4x5 film is quite expensive. I decided to use uh, a digital back. So I actually put a scanner on uh, the camera, on the back of the camera, and I simply made a scan while the shutter was open. And uh, a picture came out, uh, quite ugly, but it came out. So I started thinking, well, probably I could think about using a sensor instead of using a, a, a line sensor, because essentially a scanner is a line sensor instead of an area sensor. So the difference is that an area sensor, is the one that every camera uses, is a, is a chip, essentially, uh, with all photodiodes, so with all small components that receive the light and transforms it into a digital signal, so in one and zeros, uh, while a scanner as a sensor that travels in lines, so that's why you call a line scanner. Uh, if you can achieve a, an image from a line scanner, you can achieve it with a, an area scanner. So theory is not difficult here. I decided to put all together, but a four by five was not uh, enough for me because it's really nice to be built, but uh, it's not... Uh, really a thing that you can put on the market quite easily because there is not uh, a, an area sensor available for 4x5. So I decided to switch back to 35 millimeters. So I took a Rolay 35. Uh, I imagine that all camera lovers know this little jewel of mechanics. Uh, it's a small camera that has a lens that you can pull out from the body and uh, it's really small. And uh, I take out a sensor from a Nikon camera and uh, I put it uh, on uh, this small rolly and it worked. So from that, I decided that I am uh, mad enough to try and make a full camera from that idea. It's, <laughs> I mean, this, this, is, this is really interesting because you... Uh, uh, those of us that really don't understand how these things work on a on a it's it's a detailed level. Um, we just I, I don't know how many people I'm speaking for, but uh, I, you know, I, I've seen the inside of a camera, uh, and it's incredibly complex. Yet yeah? you're completely not phased by this because you actually just you will have a you have an understanding of the, the parts that you actually require and how to get those those parts out. Yes. Yes, that, that's it. Of course, uh, being able to repair a camera uh, from from just bits. Uh, if, if you give me a camera that is really uh, completely dismantled, I'm able to remount it. So uh, it, it was not a problem to me to adapt a digital sensor. Uh, of course, I didn't use only the sensor. I used all the electronics bound and connected to it because otherwise <laughs> it, it's not possible. But the idea was that, it, uh, of course, you can connect a digital sensor to a mechanical camera. The uh, To do that in a real product, of course, you need to uh, face a lot of challenges. 
And this is why I mm, decided to make a project like PONF. Um, this is a quite complex project, uh, as you stated, because uh, a, one thing is to make uh, a small thing that you, you can attach to a mechanical camera, uh, because mm, in, in that case, you simply need to find the uh, correct uh, distance, uh, correct flange distance uh, from uh, so the distance that you have from the back of your lens to the film plane uh, and put in a precise way your sensor where the film plane uh, was supposed to be. And there is a project actually that is doing that, uh, trying to uh, adapt different backs to the camera that you have. I tried to step. Uh, I tried to make a step forward, and I start thinking about making a modular camera. So a camera that has a, essentially a, a body. On the front of the body, you have the choice to uh, put the lens that you want. So you can uh, choose if using a Nikon, Canon, uh, Minolta uh, lens, and uh, it can be done essentially simply adjusting this flange distance. And uh, I started thinking, why cannot I provide a solution just to put back the film and to put back the sensor? So this is the, the tricky point. The tricky point is to make uh, all light tight uh, and to design the electronics of the sensor because the mechanical components are not that difficult, to be honest, unless you're trying to do a reflex camera. In a reflex camera, you have a, a different complexity coming from uh, the timing of the uh, mirror. Uh, you need to adjust the timing of the shutter with the rays of the mirror. So that's why I decided to start with a mirrorless camera, essentially. Um, but the design is open to transform it into a reflex if you want to add complexity. Uh, essentially, the camera in, in its bare form, it's a, a Galilean camera. So you look from uh, a, an optical viewfinder and you shoot. Uh, but of course, you can transform it uh, to a range finder. So you can adjust for the distance and you can focus uh, in a better way, or you can transform it into a reflex. Uh, of course, this is the, uh, it's the range of growing complexity. I think we, there's, there's so many different directions we could, we could shoot, shoot off in at the moment. But a question that com comes to my mind is that if, I mean, I'm, I'm certainly not about to build my own camera, but if I was to build my own camera, um, I would logically think well do i want to make a film camera or do i want to make a digital camera and then i would go down in that direction and try and make one one of those two things work but you deliberately didn't go down that path you wanted a camera that would do both things so you've got two sets of complexities to deal with and you've got the extra complexity of the, making these two things work together in some way so what what was your your your, your thinking about going down and doing both at the same time? Uh, well, I'm convinced that uh, modularity is uh, the key of uh, um, solutions. I don't want to say everywhere, but almost everywhere, because 
you see, when you have a problem, sometimes the most obvious solution is the one that you were thinking about. So I try to make uh, a, a run on uh, really digging really deeply in one direction and then digging really deeply in another direction. Uh, but when you are thinking about a camera, essentially a camera is uh, uh, an equipment that allows you to transform light into an image. So what you need to do essentially is uh, creating something that is light tight and is able to get light from outside, take it into a box and getting something, a medium that can register it, record it. Once you uh, enter into this way of thinking, uh, you can decide to both your camera according to what a camera should be. So something to take picture with and not a film camera or a digital camera. You come back to the essential from my point of view. So you come back to the point where you say, okay, I want something to record image with. At that point, if you're making a film camera or if you're making a digital camera, it's, yes, it, there is two different ways of adding complexity. But what you're essentially doing is adapting technology that exists. So you have a technology for film that is really mature so you have a, a technology that is that has been explored and you have a digital technology sorry a digital technology that has been explored as well so you simply simply it's not simple at all but <laughs> from a conceptual point of view <laughs> allow me to 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 tell in to tell it in that way let me rephrase uh, conceptually if you take the best from digital and the best from film and put it together and if you put away all that is not necessary, you should get a POMF camera. Mm -hmm. um, there is a way of thinking about that that comes from Soviet cameras. If any one of you knows Soviet cameras, um, Soviet cameras are amazing to me because they use a really brilliant manufacturing concept. Um, when the uh, Soviet had to fight against Nazis in Second World War, they tried to build really quickly all their weapons. And uh, the concept was, what is not there cannot be broken. <laughs> and they decided... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that was really mind-blowing to me because I told... Wow, that's the way. So that's why in the mock-up that you may have seen in my social media, you may have seen that at the real beginning, I dismantled a Zenith 3M <laughs> to, to make the, the first tests. Yeah. Because that's an amazing camera where you only have what you need to take pictures. And yeah. I think that every photographer, even if every one of us has a gear acquisition syndrome, let, let's admit it, but... When it comes to taking pictures, uh, it's like having a, a, the, the, the bare essential. So to me, it was a no-brainer. I decided to go for what is the simplest way to build the camera. So have just what I need. I'm not trying to make anything new, anything complicated, and trying to have from the digital point of view the same thing. 
uh, of course, from the digital point of view, if you want, we can also speak about um, details on the digital side. Uh, I, I, I'm uh, more than willing to speak uh, about details in the mechanical and in, and in the digital part. But in the digital part, you simply have to choose the technology. So if you want to go for a sensor and the electronics like it's made in every camera on the market, Nikon, Canon or whatever, or if you want to use and also simplifying here the concept, uh, having a computer that controls a sensor so you don't have only a camera, but you have a solution to take images, whatever you want. So you can use the digital back of this camera to scan your film. So you can take pictures with the film back, you develop your film and you scan it with the digital back. And the digital back allows you just to name one to be connected uh, to the cloud. So you can upload your pictures to uh, 500 uh, or to Flickr or wherever you want. You can be connected to your social media. So in, in my opinion, this is a way to simplify things. I am aware that uh, I'm quite an, a nerd about that. So people usually <laughs> stares at me and tells me, okay, I didn't understand anything from when you told me hello. Uh, so uh, I'm aware of that when I go pitching the, <laughs> the idea. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it's quite funny uh, looking at the lost eyes of the bankers because they told me, oh, well, I, I lost you when you entered into the office and you put on my desk <laughs> all, all this equipment. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm pleased to say that you're, you're amongst nerds here. So, uh, you're, yeah, you're, you're, you're fine here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ralph, I have, I have, wow. I have, I have so many questions for you. Um, yes, please. Yeah. yeah I, I, first of all, I, I want to say, I think that this, the entire concept is, is really fascinating for me personally. I mean, my, my start with, you know, photo and background and stuff was my, my, my dad worked for AGFA back in the seventies. Before that, he worked for uh, Polaroid back in the sixties. And he was with Polaroid at a time when um, the SX 70 was developed. And when mm -hmm. Polaroid was really like basically the Apple of its era, they, they were an innovator. They kept making amazing new products that everybody wanted, but, but what they did more fundamentally, I think, um, was on, you know, that, that was the kind of the commercial side that the public thought about, but what they, I think what they really did that was revolutionary was they, they, they helped, uh, find, they helped use cameras to make solutions for, I would call industrial photography, right? So mm -hmm. business, government, yeah. medical, et cetera, et cetera. All these science, all these, all these different ways where people could not make images quickly. Um, and, and that and that was really where they made these am amazing kind of inroads. And I and I look at this camera and I think you know it's 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 probably going to have some sort of a um, a public face where uh, you know consumer users there will be certainly lots of different niches of photographers that I think will find a way to make a camera like this work for them. But I look at the kind of the other side, which would be. Um, you know, the role that a camera like this would be able to play in sort of industrial, um, you know, business side photography. And it seems to me that there's a lot of options there because it's it, 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 now that we're in an information um, technology world, it seems like the cameras are not necessarily integrated into that, which is where 
mm-hmm. seems to me what you've said about this evolution of both film and digital, we're at a place now where this can happen, where maybe we weren't at this place a few years back. And, I, and I'm wondering how maybe that thinking works in for you and, and um, roles that you would see a camera like this playing in the sort of industrial, business, medical, et cetera, world where, you know, having photography integrated directly into tech um, is, is really going to be something somewhat revolutionary. Well, thank you for the, for the question. And uh, uh, that's precisely, you, you got the point 100% uh, because uh, this is actually where we are going with uh, the um, twin project of uh, PONF camera, that is the PONF modular. PONF modular is uh, a camera, an imaging solution, a smart imaging solution based on the digital back of the PONF camera. And it uses artificial intelligence to provide doctors actually at the moment uh, to take smarter decisions with the help of a custom developed artificial intelligence. So. Mm. Uh, what what I'm doing is providing uh, as I, I have a lot of uh, uh, of moles on my skin, so I have them checked twice a year uh, by dermatologist, and I'm working with the dermatologist and also with dentists now to give them a camera that uh, gives them suggestions in making diagnosis of early stage of skin and mouth cancer. Wow. So. Uh, that's why I'm telling that uh, if you allow, if you all <laughs> of you allow me to, to tell that I'm uh, I'm here with my project, as you perfectly told, uh, not just to make a camera. My goal is not to make a camera. Uh, mm-hmm. My goal is to start again a new industry that can innovate in imaging, and film could be a, a real part of that. Uh, the point is that uh, if film lovers, and I am a film user, a film, laser, a film lover, I develop at home my film when I shoot it. The problem is that if we close into our niche and if we think that just financing one crowdfunding project could be enough for a company to step into industry, yeah. you are <laughs> going to get really hard reality check. Uh, I, I, I don't want to speak about uh, any other project. Uh, everyone knows uh, <laughs> that there are... Yeah, I don't want to talk about it either. <laughs> no, there are many, many brilliant, real yeah. brilliant projects. Yeah. And I wish them all the success they deserve. What I'm telling is that uh, simply let me do some really uh, penny-pinching. Uh, if you want to make a camera, uh, you roughly need, let's say, $1 million, probably, uh, if you are really able to save your money, if you know what you're doing, so you don't make any huge mistake, so you, you don't throw your money into a pit. Uh, but if you want to be and to establish a presence, I would like to be here in a 10 years time and be remembered, as you just told about uh, Polaroid, as the one who, for the first time, tried to bring together film and photography because they speak the same uh, language. They only speak different uh, 
with different accents. So it's like if you have a someone from uh, Chicago trying to speak with one from uh, Norlins. Yeah. Yeah. You both speak American. <laughs> right. <laughs> but <laughs> everyone is proud of its accent. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but when you need to speak one to each other, you need to find the, your common ground. Uh, so, in my opinion, this is what I would like to be able to do in the photographic industry. I'm trying to set up an industry. So, that's why uh, the project at the moment uh, is uh, at a point where we are looking, actively looking for investors and partners. The project is an open one, so everyone can come and contribute and keep, of course, the rights to his uh, or her idea uh, but contributing into a larger project. My opinion is that if we continue thinking about being small fishes in a sea full of sharks, mm. we will end up eating every one of us, every one of us, pump as well. I cannot survive if I don't ask for uh, the cooperation of everyone out there. Now, don't be fooled by the fact that actually POMF is the, for what I know, but uh, of course I'm uh, open to, to fact-checking. For what I know, POMF is the only project that actually is being supported by companies uh, from the technical point of view, like Sony, like mm. ARM, like HP. Uh, we are developing the electronics of the camera with Sony because we, we are going to use Sony sensors for the digital back. And Sony sensors are almost everywhere. Uh, I, I, I don't want to disclosure any secrets, but uh, <laughs> every one of us knows where Sony sensors are, in which cameras are. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> uh, and we, we have access to uh, APS-C full frame and also medium format sensors. We are developing a 150 megapixel camera. And it's not far from reality. The camera has been tested from the electronics point of view with Sony, and we are uh, getting the help in making the electronics working. So uh, I don't know any other project that has been able to reach all this uh, industry commitment. Of course, what we lack, because otherwise we you would have been able to find our camera on, in the stores. <laughs> the problem is that we are a startup, we are bootstrapping, and when you bootstrap, you reach a point uh, that is a plateau where you cannot invest any longer from your own money, but you need to get uh, the commitment from other actors. Uh, so that's why I... And thankful also for this opportunity because here I would like, if I can, to uh, invite everyone uh, to uh, simply make a, this kind of uh, simply adopt this kind of point of view. Uh, mm. If we sit on our couch, it's really easy to say, "Oh, that project is not going to work." Oh, what a shame! I invested that money on this crowdfunding and. I never got that camera, or I never got that lens, or I never got whatever I paid for. Why? Because you cannot build an industry with crowdfunding. So that's why we are not going to ask anyone money. You uh, work hard for your money. You, These are money you deserved. So we are not going to ask you for money 
for building a project. I'm really not favorable to crowdfunding. Uh, so we are not going to do that. But we need to build an industry and we need to reach a goal where we are able to get a good financing. A good financing for us means reaching two to five million dollars. Let's be honest with that. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's interesting. I was um, thinking yesterday about this and wondering, like, how do you put, how would you put a, this different kind of back onto a camera? Because I couldn't, I couldn't envision it. So I started looking around online. And then this is not the same thing, but it helps me to understand. Um, Lomography has a camera. Well, it's not a new camera. It's been out for a long time called the Diana. And it's yes. a, there's a 120 and there's a 35. And, and now there is an instant back that, that shoots Instax film. And um, there's a picture of it online that lets me say, oh, I understand exactly how you could put a different kind of back on. Uh, the, the back from the 120 camera just comes off. And this Instax back slides on, and it's light tight, I, I presume. And it's more complicated than that, but because you've got electronics in your back, but it's kind of generally the same kind of idea, but a higher quality product. Yes, the idea is uh, quite similar to that. Uh, you have a body, so if you know how a medium format camera works, uh, the, the concept is that one. So you have the the body, and you have magazines where you have the field and the magazines are detachable. So you have you press a button on the body and you remove the back. Yeah. And uh, in that way, you can uh, keep the camera on your tripod uh, while yeah. switching film. So yeah. uh, it, it, it's nothing uh, different from what exists. Uh, of course, uh, you need to be sure that uh, your manufacturing is good, so you're not going to use plastics uh, you you need to use in our case uh, metal connectors, uh, but our camera will have a, a the, the the internal frame made in uh, uh, magnesium alloy, so it's uh, it's a metal camera essentially, not a plastic one, uh, because we are going to look for reliability. Uh, we are not looking to make a camera. We're not making a toy camera. We're not going to tell you, oh, okay, what a shame uh, you have a plastic connector that got broken uh, after 100 times that you changed, that you switched <laughs> the, the back. Yes. This is a this is yeah. commercial choice, of course. Uh, and and, and, and I, I am more than convinced that everyone is allowed to choose its, its path to, uh, to the product. Uh, I know that mine is longer. Uh, I know that mine costs more and needs more investment, but uh, it's like, uh, do you know what? Uh, I I often tell people this story. If you are on, uh, let's say, on a car, uh, of course you can uh, decide that you want to upgrade your brakes, so you decide to do it yourself, and uh, you find a real a nice uh, braking kit from a company that is selling braking uh, systems from 20 years, but they do it in uh, plastic. Or you are going to use uh, a full Brembo set uh, of uh, Formula One brakes. You choose. Money is yours. Life is yours. So you decide if you want to use 
brakes that can break, or if you prefer to invest more money to get, uh, let's say, professional-grade brakes. Uh, so that's the difference. What lacks today in commercial products in photography is a new kind of camera that brings uh, film and digital on the same body with top quality instead of uh, different quality. I don't want to say low quality because I personally use and I personally am a customer of Lomography and I, I actually love their cameras. Uh, what I'm trying to do is to improve on that concept and making uh, full metal cameras. Mm -hmm. I'd, I'd like, I was going to say, I'd, I'd like to talk, if we can, um, about the form factor of the of the camera because you've you've mentioned medium format and yes. um and i think the obvious one that was coming to most people's minds was the say the say the hasselblad uh where you've got a, the camera itself is just a box in the middle and the lens goes at the front and the back and you get the back yes. uh, that, that changes but i've seen the uh, the render uh, or at least one of a couple of your renders of the, of the camera and it does not mm -hmm. look like a hasselblad it looks something perhaps more like a say a, a Sony a6000 seems to be the, the 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 form factor I'm seeing there so it's, I think it's just would, would that be a would that would that be accurate I mean I'm just just trying to give our, our listeners a bit of an idea about what this thing looks like as best as we can do uh, on an audio podcast uh, yes in the latest uh, day design uh, as we are offering a 35 millimeter and not a 120 we decided not to use the Hasselblad form so we are not we are not going to make a cube essentially uh, it's true that the form is quite similar to uh, a sony uh, but it's just because we are going to make a mirrorless camera the idea is that if we think uh, about a camera where you have uh, a, the complete freedom of deciding how the camera should be uh, the flange distance for a 35 millimeters is, is quite short, so you cannot have a cube. So the, the, the difference is simply uh, driven by functionality. Of course, when we will be offering the 120 back, uh, you will need a, a body with a different uh, shape. Uh, the concept that uh, you had uh, is uh, a concept for a camera that can be made in really a short time. Uh, so the uh, this is the concept we are working on. Uh, so it's a, it's a sort of a flat camera uh, that allows you to have a, a grip, a comfortable grip from both sides. Uh, if you, I don't know if any one of you remembers the Mamiya Press. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, sure. The the idea comes from the Mamiya Press. The Mamiya Press has a body has a lens and you can uh, decide where you have the grip so you can put the grip on the left or on the right side isn't it and yeah. you can you can put on the back of the mamiya you can put the back and if you see at the 135 millimeter back of the mamiya press is precisely the design that you have actually in that mock-up interesting the mamiya did uh a 35 millimeter uh, compact camera with um, interchangeable backs. Yes. Uh, the magazine 35, uh, which I had in my hands not not that long ago, which was quite quite an interesting concept, but for it, it never it never really 
caught on. But that was back in the days where there were just so many different ideas going around at the time that uh, I guess people just decided to go with uh, whatever Nikon were doing and uh, went went down in that direction. Yes, uh, the uh, as I told before, uh, I'm not reinventing the wheel. Uh, I'm convinced that uh, if you have something that has worked before, you can use it. Uh, of course, we are uh, not uh, using the same technicalities. Of course, we are um, simplifying it where we can or we are improving where we can. But the idea is that we have a, a, a slim body uh, in the uh, mock-up that you can see and uh, you can snap on the, the film back and the digital back. So this is the, 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 the real bare naked camera. Um, the idea uh, is that uh, I would like to provide uh, a framework even for other uh, companies to step into the project and telling, oh, okay, I can uh, provide with the uh, pentaprism turret and, uh, and the mirror. Uh, anyone can tell, okay, I want to add uh, an external flash connector. I want to add these or that. In my opinion, if it's simpler, it will work better. But yeah. that's just because uh, of the modular idea. It's like when you bought... Uh, old Nikon or old uh, uh, Minolta cameras and you had all the kit that grows with you. So you, you buy essentially the basis kit and you grow from that. Yeah. Uh, the, the advantage of the Ponf camera is that today, uh, as one of our main partner is HP, HP um, allows us uh, with its technology to 3D print, not only in plastic like everyone can do, but we can 3D print in metal. So you can also decide the shape of your camera. That well, yeah. one, one thing that's, that, that intrigues me about, because you're not the only uh, new um, venture uh, attempting to uh, build a, a film camera at the moment. Um, mm -hmm. There's the uh, Ham Company uh, new box yes. camera. We've, uh, there's the Reflex camera as well, which is on Kickstarter. Um, and there's also uh, Bellamy Hunt's... Um, he's attempting to make uh, a high-end compact camera at yes. the moment. And the, the, the thing that, from the things that I hear, um, it's, well, first thing is, it, it, it seems to be harder to create a film camera than it is to create a digital camera. And the, the bit that seems to be the, the hardest thing or the, the, the biggest stumbling block is, is, would I be right in saying it's the shutter? Well, uh, of course, that's a, a difficult component uh, to make. Let's be honest today. There is just one company in the world able to make really reliable shutters, and is the company that provides shutter to every other company in the world that is Copal in Japan. The hard truth is that when I called Copal, and this is not a secret, uh, they told me, okay, we are going to give you our shutters. You only need to demonstrate us that your project is able to run on its own legs without crowdfunding, and you're able to reach the one million mark, uh, one million dollar mark. All right. So, um, it's, so it's it's not one million units. It's 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 a monetary value that you've got you've got to get yes, in there. Yes, yeah. because I, yes, yes, because they need to. Um, 
change the um, machines to yeah. to mill and to uh, produce the the shutter they have they still have all the patents on the film shutters so uh, trying to make your own shutter is something that you can do uh, we uh, we even used and we are currently using just for fun it's not something that I suppose it's easy to be done in a commercial camera, but we are using LED shutters. I don't know if you ever heard about that. No, no. Uh, you can use an LED screen. is uh, is a screen that goes from completely transparent to black, simply applying a different of voltage. So you turn it on and off, and it's transparent and it's black. Right. Yeah. So you can use it as it works in uh, millionth of seconds to close. Uh, to change state from uh, transparent to opaque, you can uh, use it as a shutter. And we, we are playing with that uh, with a Swedish company at the moment, and we are really uh, satisfied by the results. It's not something that you can use uh, in a normal camera because the voltage that are implied are higher than the usual cameras so you need to 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 have an additional battery uh, or a more powerful battery but it's something the shutter in my opinion uh it's an added complexity if you want to uh make something that of course is synchronized perfectly uh with the with the rest of the camera that's the tricky point it's not the mechanical point uh, of the shutter in my personal understanding of mechanics uh, i mean i disassembled in my life probably more than 5000 shutters uh, and the one that i found more reliable from a fixing point of view were the close ones the 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 ones that you find on the Leica, uh, they were indestructible unless you poke <laughs> with a point. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you can do it. Uh, I don't want to say really easily, but uh, it's something that you can ask to any reliable watchmaker to make you a timing mechanism uh, to make you with the proper escapements uh, and uh, and the springs and timing is not a problem. Uh, while if you are trying to make an electromechanical shutters, this is a real pain because there are really few people out there able to make one of those. So it could be dangerous to make it on your, on your own. If you're able to do it, uh, applause to you, kudos, uh, because it's, it's really... Uh, it's really something that can be complex. Uh, if you allow me, uh, I just want to tell you that uh, if you today try to hire a an engineer that worked on film camera, so we are speaking about engineers that worked until 1995, probably, uh, they today ask you for $10,000 per month which are $120,000 simply for hiring them. But here in Germany, you need to pay, of course, social security, insurance, and whatever. So the cost to the company is $200,000 each engineer. And you need one engineer for the shutter, at least one. You need one engineer to design the mechanics. You need one engineer to design the assembly. You need one engineer for the electronics. So you need at least five engineers. So that's why you need 1 million euro 
to make reliable yeah. <laughs> to make a reliable camera. So I'm not telling that all the other projects are going to uh, not to succeed. I wish uh, all the best to them, but I'm afraid that they are trying to build one model of camera and trying to use that camera as a sort of uh, uh, money or financial lever to build up momentum. Uh, I simply ask you a question, and this is a rhetorical question, of course, but have you ever seen Nikon or Canon or Sony telling you, hey, would you give me 2,000 or 200 bucks because I don't know how to make a shot? <laughs> would you try to finance me in that way? Would you buy that camera? Uh, so I, I suppose that that's why uh, all these projects are uh, facing a hard time to get on the market. Just you know, uh, I, I want, oh, oh, can I? Oh, if I can sorry. just just one one last question on on the shutter there for me, Carl, and and that is uh, does the so my, would I, my understanding be correct? It's not so much. I mean, you can you can actually manufacture a shutter, and I, and I guess you could just go back to uh, the Leica design, which is must must mustn't be patented anymore uh, from the from the the Barnack <laughs> era. So yeah. somebody can make those those shutters literally by copying existing units. But the problem would be there's no way of tying that in to give you the kind of accuracy and, and whatever you need to actually work with the electronics that you would need in your your camera as well. Is that is that a fair summation of the problem there? No, no, you perfectly nailed the point. It's perfectly that. Uh, you today can have a, a shutter. Uh, let's consider that if you really want a really bad shutter, you can go, if you are uh, good with your, with your fingers, you can use the constructor by Lomography that has a, a manual shutter. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you can also use simply a, a, like, a, like you have uh, in... Uh, in your pinhole cameras, you can simply have uh, a Coca-Cola can uh, uh, flap uh, over your uh, uh, pinhole and use it as a shutter. Uh, I mean, making a shutter is literally making something that, uh, with the proper timing, allows the light to reach the recording medium. So. You choose the complexity. You can do it really easy. You can do it really complex. The most complex, uh, if you're trying to make uh, a sort of uh, uh, ideal um, scale, uh, the, the higher uh, of complexity, the higher level of complexity is an electromechanical shutter that can be used in a film and digital environment. So. Uh, that you can control with the digital part, but that can be used in a film camera. Uh, then you can have a mechanical shutter, a focal plane shutter, essentially. So a, a shutter that is plane that is uh, really close to the film plane. So it's the one that you usually have in your reflex camera or in, in modern cameras. Then you have leaf shutters, so the shutters that are on the lens part of the camera or on the lens itself, and they are easier to make because it's just a matter of uh, uh, springs and coils and whatever. Or you can have manual shutters. Uh, so it depends on how much money, how much time you have, and how much reliable the shutter should be. Uh, consider that if you're simply going to assemble a shutter copying from someone else, 
I suppose that you will have a hard time to test it uh, in a real condition. Uh, a copal shutter is guaranteed uh, 100,000 actuations. Are you able to do that the same uh, at home? Mm, I, I would have some difficulties in telling from the pump camera. Uh, so that's why we are trying to get to the point where we can involve not only Sony, not, not only HP, but Copal as well. Uh, Copal is our designs. Copal agreed on working with us as soon as we get a critical um, value of financing. So that's it. So from my point of view, and I, and later I, I, <laughs> I take a pause and let you make other questions, of course. Uh, from my point of view, the PONF project is going to have the support, actually, from most of the old camera uh, producers, from the old doctors. What we are trying to do, and uh, uh, I know that these have uh, encountered a lot of opposition from uh, a few people, uh, we are telling everyone, I am not going to uh, become rich. I don't want to become rich with this project. I don't want a villa. I don't want a, a Maserati. I don't want a Ferrari. I want to promote film photography. I want to promote photography knowledge. So if anyone out there wants to build up something in photography, I will be more than able to share my context, to share my knowledge, to share what we are doing in order to make together a better camera. If you are simply telling me, oh, oh no, okay, my game is better than yours. Oh, no, okay, uh, my thing is better than yours. Oh, no, no, I can do better things than yours. Okay, go ahead, go ahead. I'm not going to play with something that, to me, is more than a matter of money. To me, knowledge is the key point in everything I did in my life. Uh, so I would like to bring on the knowledge that is behind the film camera before it disappears, before the people and the engineers that work on this film camera die. We need to bring them back. We need to tell them, okay, let's put together what you know. Let's put together with knowledge we have today and make a brilliant new camera. This can be done. Companies are able to do that. It's a matter of knowing that we cannot do that making 100 small projects, in my opinion. United, we can. If we are divided, well, it's not going to be easy for anyone. One of the things that um, I was interesting, uh, in, uh, interested in is, um, <clears throat> and these are related questions, um, it's how, uh, when it's used in a digital mode, the... the um, photographer is viewing the image that's being taken. So um, I'm, I'm thinking about you snapping on a digital back. And mm -hmm. so probably the, the easiest starting place would be that the um, you're viewing the image with an LCD because it's just, it could just be integrated into the back. And so you wouldn't have to think about how, how do you engineer a, uh, an EVF that's sitting somewhere else. Um, so but when I think about a digital back, one of the things I always think about is, God, you know, when I look at my iPhone, it's so much brighter and so much more sophisticated and user friendly than the, than my than any camera that has ever been made. And why aren't the why are not the so so? There's an opportunity to 
to increase the quality of, of, of that experience to the point where, I mean, I can see my iPhone outside in the sun. It's that bright and, and work with it, but it's hard to see the LCD on my on my digital cameras. Um, so, so that would be one. So that was one thing I was thinking about. And I guess, you know, someone could design that and integrate it in with you. Um, but how would you, I, I can't quite get my arms around how an EVF would, how would it, would it, how it would work? Like, you know, would it be a module that would sit toward the side of the OVF or what? Uh, well, the the things are uh, in in this way. Uh, now I will tell something that probably will uh, will cause uh, outrage cry in the digital <laughs> camera community. You can definitely improve your camera if you don't think uh, at your digital camera as a sacred thing. If you think about a tool, you can improve on tools and what. Uh, phone camera do today so the interface that your camera has in making photos is actually smarter than a, the interface that you get on every reflex on the camera so what we are trying to do and so the, this is where the idea comes from from uh, the uh, POMF project we are uh, setting up uh, so let's dig into the uh, some technical parts. The digital back actually is based on a Raspberry Pi. So you have a microcomputer on board. The Raspberry Pi controls the shutter and controls the sensor. So you have the sensor and whatever shutter you have uh, is controlled by the Raspberry Pi. You get the image, but as the Raspberry Pi is not powerful enough to ensure you a, let's say, a live view uh, at full resolution, uh, we have designed our own uh, electronics. Uh, so like you have the DGIC uh, image processor, or like you have uh, uh, the Beyonds uh, in, in cameras that don't, don't, let's don't make uh, any unnecessary <laughs> advertising to, to this company, but anyone knows who I'm talking about. Uh, we have an image processor on our own, so we are able to take and improve the image that you take from the sensor. This allows us to decide on which screen you can see at the photograph. If you're looking at uh, your photos from a three inches uh, screen, there are actually no screens on the market, no screens, not even if you go from the same manufacturers from the Retina on your iPhone that are able to bring that pixel density uh, on a 3.5 uh, LCD screen. So you need to step up at least to a five inches. Uh, on our test camera, I'm using a seven inch <coughs> Retina-like monitor. Uh, the resolution is Ultra HD. So you can imagine how well you look compared to a, a normal LCD screen. And uh, of course, in uh, the POMF camera, we have not only the live view on the LCD, but you also have an, an EVF, so an electronic viewfinder. Um, this is because when you use Sony sensors, Sony is the largest, for what I remember, the largest manufacturer of uh, EVF in the world. So to us, it was really easy to implement both on, on the design part. 
So actually, to, to answer your question, yes, you could uh, end shooting with the POMF camera, having a screen of uh, the quality of your iPhone or better. You can connect uh, using uh, Bluetooth or wireless. Uh, you can use a 10 inches monitor. Uh, the drivers, so the software that we have written for our Franken camera is actually able to control uh, TV screens up to 50 inches, no more than 50 inches, actually. Uh, wow. But 50 inches is quite nice a screen <laughs> to look at your photos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's not a camera that you can use now and today bringing outside because uh, we, we are not able to bring a 50 uh, uh, inches monitor with you. Uh, but what I'm telling is that technology is not that far. Uh, what I'm uh, pressing people to consider is it's not, if it's not me, if it's not Pomf going to make this project, uh, you will find two different paths. Or there will be a company that will have money and will do it. Or, worst case scenario, you will find companies that are afraid of what this could mean because uh, digital photography is losing market towards photography made with uh, cell phones. So yeah. that could be yeah. that you can find a company that actually makes a really good offer, buys the technology and shuts the project off. <laughs> this has happened. This happened a lot of time in technology. Big companies that bought smaller companies and simply let the projects die. So what I'm telling people, today you can have a camera that allows you mm, to shoot in digital and in film. And let's face this reality. Today, every one of us has at least a phone. So when I hear photographers that tell me, oh, no, I only shoot film because that's the only photography existing for me. Yes, but when I see your wonderful photographies on Facebook, you are using a digital connecting yeah. right. uh, workflow, at least. So you have a camera that can do everything, can do the workflow, can work, as you uh, told before, uh, with robots uh, in drones for medical uses, military uses, uh, security uses, uh, in emergency services. The only problem is to make such a camera, you need big investment. You cannot go on thinking, oh, okay, uh, Raf will put all the money in the project and blame on him if he lost everything, he lost his house, he lost everything because he was unable to, to bring this, this camera on the market. I cannot do it alone, so that's why I'm uh, really grateful for your opportunity to let me speak today. Uh, I'm calling everyone to make a larger network, a larger project, and be everyone involved in making a single camera, not 100 small projects, making a bigger camera. Think about that. When, when uh, NASA decided to send men to the moon, they brought together all the best brains. They didn't try, even try to do all on uh, the engineers that was hired actually on the space program. They asked to everyone else, okay, where are the best engineers? 
come and work with us. Uh, so this is the thing that I'm doing now. This is something that we can do. I have the connection in the industry. Uh, I'm mad enough to go and ask to everyone. I have the face to ask to everyone. <laughs> so, please. Yeah, Ralph, I have a couple questions. One that's uh, probably a little more uh, personal interest-wise, and then I think one you know that our audience would be particularly interested in. The personal one is, <laughs> I'll start with that, but if you could take them both. The personal one is, um, you, you know, you mentioned film several times, and I'm, uh, you know, I will say primarily a film photographer. Um, although, as you said, I, I use my camera phone every single day in terms of the course of my work mm -hmm. to do things like quickly share ideas, pictures, you know, promote uh, yes. things for the shop. So, I mean, it, it's, it's built into what I do as what I would call a photographer, but it's not what I do for myself. What I do for myself is, is film photography. And I, and as someone who makes his living primarily working with um, film cameras um, and selling film cameras and film technology, mm -hmm. I struggle with seeing where film has a role as anything other than a niche consumer product at this point and how it actually still has a role um, in industry. And I, and it, it seems to me that you have a viewpoint on that, which I would definitely like to hear. That's question number one. And you can take these in any order you want. The other question is um, thinking about our audience, which is really primarily interested in, okay, I love lenses. I like to stick lenses on, you know, different types of cameras, whether they're film, digital, whatever. Um, what do you see as the role for, you know, existing classic lenses in a new system such as this? Because a lot of the lenses that we use are easily 50, 60, 70, or older years old. And I think one of the fascinating things about lenses as technology is that they're still relevant. And there are so few things you can point to in any form of technology that we use other than a knife and a fork um, that are still relevant 100 years on. And I have lenses that I've used that are 100 years old that are, you know, they work fantastically well. So I'm wondering about the role of classic lenses, old lenses, integrated into such new technology? Well, thank you for, for your questions. They are two really relevant questions to answer the second one firstly. Uh, the uh, design being the design of the pump camera modular one, you drive the design of your own camera because the camera is yours. So if you tell me that you want to shoot with your nifty 50 from, uh, let's say, with a exact amount or with the Nikon mount or with the Canon mount, Minolta, uh, we can do it. We we print out the uh, body with the right flange distance and you can use the uh, the lens that you that you want. If you want to use different lenses, so if you want to use lenses that have difference uh, in uh, flange uh, distance, so if you, let's say, if you want to use Canon and Nikon on that body, of course, we need to give you a, a sort of... Uh, uh, we still don't know if a permanent connector to the lens uh, or something that you can simply uh, use as a lock on uh, in order to allow you to connect to the, the body with the shorter distance so you can work with a longer one. Um, from from my point of view, being the camera made uh, on request, so you order the camera because the camera does not exist. You order me a camera to be used with your exact lens, I, I will do it. For me, it, it's not a problem. As I 
will print the camera with uh, a, a, a printer that makes that allows me to have the same cost uh, in printing one or 100 uh, cameras uh, with the HP technology. Uh, I can tell you, okay, tell me what you want and you will get it. So it's uh, this is the difference in point of view. Now you are bound to what you get on the market later, you will be able to decide what you want from the market. So you will drive the market that, uh, that you need. The second point, so the future of film. Uh, yes, I have a strong opinion about that. Uh, I still use film today. And when I need, when I need a big latitude, uh, when sometimes I need to make some projects uh, where I need to uh, use a very wide latitude or I want to show some uh, nice coupling between a lens or a, a film and I can think about uh, let's name a few uh, sonar lenses uh, with uh, the, the old Velvia uh, films or if you're thinking about the, the some Kodak black and white films that are simply amazing uh, with the red star uh, lenses by Hasselblad or Zeiss. Mm -hmm. uh, I still use film. I don't go on digital, not at all, uh, because what I want to achieve is precisely done with... It, it's, a, it's, a, it's a kind of aesthetics. So as you cannot kill aesthetics... Uh, I don't want market to kill aesthetics. Uh, every one of us uh, knows what is happening with uh, MP3s or uh, vinyl film or vinyl discs, sorry. Uh, you can ask for an MP3, so you can go for a DVD or a CD or you can go for an old-fashioned uh, disc. Uh, actually, there are two different niches and two different markets for them. What I would like to uh, make everyone uh, aware of is that as it's a costly niche, uh, costly from the production side, not, on, not only on the customer side, uh, making a film, it's costly from a technological point of view, from a manufacturing point of view. Or customers decide to step up and say, okay, we still need, we still want film and so we are ready to uh, deal with the increased cost, at least in the beginning phase, at least until the uh, minimum numbers of requests has been reached. Or for any company in the film industry, it's hard to go on. Uh, I perfectly understand the struggle of Kodak. Kodak is selling the Alaris uh, part of its... Uh, of its business, I have learned, uh, because it's difficult today to invest money in film. There are companies like Ferrania, they are trying to make an amazing thing, but it's not sitting on a couch telling, oh, I would like to try a new film that will save film industry. Like everyone did to save all disc. Uh, so let's buy, let's buy it, let's ask to the company to continue doing it, let's continue buying uh, the the uh, old discs. We need to do the same with film. So everyone should say, okay, I want to buy film, not only 
in the classical 35 millimeter format, I, I would like to foster the growth of 120 and uh, uh, bigger films. We need to do that, but we need to do it with the same stubborn knowledge that we are using in saving environment. Uh, so forgive me where, for, for those countries who have a president that does not support. <laughs> <laughs> tell it, tell it, brother, tell it. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm a, uh, I, I have been an activist for, for, the, for the ambient defense, so I cannot see that things... <laughs> well, apart from politics, if we don't fight for what we believe in, you cannot blame on the company. You cannot say, hey, you failed in, uh, in delivering your camera. I am failing if I will do because no one is really investing in that. If you decide to buy your banana in a plastic bag... It's you that are damaging the <laughs> environment. It's not the banana. So don't be bananas. Buy film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's like that. Yeah, I, it's interesting you talk about um, uh, Kodak. Um, I mean, because, you know, again, part of my daily living is selling products that they make. Um, mm -hmm. And it, it, I guess what occurred to me during, during the conversation just now and thinking about the fact that, you know, the news about Kodak Alaris, et cetera, I mean, it, maybe the role of film going forward, you know, really is purely aesthetics. And I don't know that that's necessarily a problem. I mean, I know young people, um, in their early twenties who are now making a living primarily because they do film photography and they're working right. with made they're, they're working with major advertisers like Nike because they're, they, they have recognized that film does something aesthetically that digital doesn't. And I think the fact that there are still, you know, Kodak really still exists because they sell motion picture film because there are, you know, there are people working with motion picture film who yes. know that that aesthetic is, is for them superior. I think of the film, um, you know, Dunkirk that, that came out last year. Um, so, you know, there are, there are a lot of, maybe that really is ultimately what, how film survives is purely as aesthetics. And I don't think that's a problem, no. but it does, right. But it, but it does, you know, and then I think, well, how does your camera integrate into maybe, that that sort of world where it is a more aesthetic world where maybe a motion picture a filmmaker wants the ability to shoot both film and digital to make a, a, mm -hmm. a you know motion picture so it, to me that's a, a fascinating thing i hadn't maybe thought of that kind of maybe ties all that in together no no absolutely you're right and and simply imagine that today to shoot in uh, film and digital you need to have one camera with film and one camera with digital right right uh, the, the idea was that uh, you can use a single body instead of two bodies, so you don't need to switch your uh, point of view, uh, but you can uh, simply switch the back and having, uh, if you want, is the way that I usually uh, use the digital back in, uh, uh, in my tests uh, today. Uh, I use the digital like a sort of old Polaroid. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. So I, I measure light with the uh, with the digital back and with the digital uh, sensor, and then I put my costly film. <laughs> right, I, sure. But I never miss one shot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the the idea is that if people start thinking about the aesthetic of film, 
It will be the niche that saves film, in my opinion, definitely. And probably when, as it happens in every field in culture, uh, when people will start thinking about the aesthetic of film, then someone will come and will say, okay, we've made a, a motion picture, uh, we can make some advertising back, we can make some uh, books about that. Uh, and you're right, 35% of people under 35 today use film camera. So wow. why don't uh, promote these? The reason is that uh, everyone thinks about film users like hipsters. So they look at you and they say, hey, why don't you have short pants? Why don't you wear your pajamas? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, so uh, they, they look at us like if we were hippies, but we're not. Uh, right. we, we are professionals. We are serious amateurs. Uh, we are simply people who love the pleasure of taking time and taking a picture. Today, you can take out your phone and simply... Uh, with with the uh, with the, the touch on the screen, like in the digital back of uh, the palm or your uh, phone, you can get a a perfect image. That's perfect. What I would like to get is tell people: Wouldn't you like the old-fashioned time where you speak with your model, take your time, you relax, you take a laugh, yeah, you decide where the light is good which is the best film for that scene. And then you put that film into your camera and shoot that perfect photo. This is like the difference in uh, taking a quick note on a dictaphone or handwriting. I still use fountain pens. Yeah. Because to me, it's important to clean the nib, uh, to feed the, the ink into the pen. So it's, it's, it's a matter of how you decide to think your life with your products. Yeah. If you simply want to consume your products and throw them away, film is dead. Yeah. Of course yeah. it's dead. But if you think, and we are on the right track with the right people, we can do it. We can tell people, start thinking again about your uh, whole time. It's an holistic way. Uh, maybe I'm a dreamer. Of course I am. Uh, otherwise I will not be trying to do the thing in my life <laughs> but the the idea is let's start telling people don't rush in your life we just have one life let's take the best out of it yeah i want to ask um something to follow up johnny just for a second and it relates to lenses and, and to get to take this back to classic lenses so um and and it relates also to how do you go about the process of designing the camera system do you do it so that at some point it's out and available to use and then over time you're adding on features or do you wait till all of the you know functionality is there but let's go back to the lenses so yes. um the, uh, if you had a, a body designed and you had um, a film back and a digital back and let's say that was all ready to go and then we start thinking about the lens so um I am always thinking about classic lenses, but then I sometimes remind myself that we're really a minority and we're not like, you know, 90% of the people using cameras are shooting classic lenses. There were yes. probably some small percentage, but, but it would probably the easiest thing to do would be to design a camera that would let you put um, classic lenses on it because there don't need to be any connectors to the camera. And you could have um, 
I guess you can't because it's proprietary. The easiest thing to do would be to put a Z mount or something like that on, yeah. and then just let and then just let people buy adapters and put their classic lenses on. But then that's that's a small group of people, um, so that's easy. But then the harder thing would be if you want to sell this camera to Canon camera users, then you have to have an amount that will let their lens connect and drive a motor motor and all of those mm-hmm. kinds of things, right? Right, so that's why, and, and this is why uh, if it, I, I invite you all to think about that because when, when you first uh, mentioned complexity of the project, this comes the need for modularity. If you design your body so that you can have a simple connecting uh, element to a motor drive so you can uh, control Nikon motor lenses, Canon uh, new lenses you can simply say okay I bring there uh, what you need and essentially you simply need to have a something that uh, is connected to an electronic controller so the electronic controller can be on the body and uh, you can control it both when you are using the film and when you're using the digital back so uh, from a design point of view, what we are trying to do is precisely that. So having in the front of the camera, let's say, uh, you will have the flange, let's call it in the way, where you mount the lens that is a smart one. So if you are using, let's say, an old Nikon F mount, so the one where you have the aperture uh, control on it, you have no need for electronics. So the electronics automatically is shut down. But if you put a modern Nikon EF uh, lens, or if even if you are using the new lenses that you are using on the new Nikon, uh, the electronics switch up and is able to control the aperture that it's controlled by electronics in a Nikon camera. So it's not a matter of... Uh, having any proprietary or any secret source. It's simply a matter of, uh, uh, and there are a lot of companies today making adapters and smart adapters for camera. We are trying to do the same. So we are trying to provide every photographer with the chance to buy a single body, but with the chance to use different lenses, really, literally, almost every lens that you can think of. Uh, it, it will take a longer time. We will not be able to start selling the camera with all the lens compatibility. Very probably we will start with the key lens mounts. So let's say with the Nikon, the old Canon mounts, uh, very probably with uh, a, an old Alpha mount to mount the Minolta Alpha series. Uh, we will be able to control Minolta MD or the old Canon FD. So the, the choice is up to you. Uh, I, I've been able to to test the camera and to take photos in uh, during the last Christmas uh, markets here in Nuremberg. Uh, I used uh, an, an old uh, lenses that I took out from uh, a, a camera from 1922. Yes, 1922. <laughs> so it, it, it's just a box. A camera is just a box. You connect the lens and you and you have something where you record the image. 
a thought a thought about um the commercial side of things mm-hmm. and uh there's a a market out there that of people who are interested in film cameras there's a market out there that of people who are interested in uh digital cameras and and the digital side of things is is massive and in comparison i should say um i'm i'm just wondering about the type of person that would actually buy your camera and you could argue i'm the type of person that the people yeah the, the people of this all that are listening are, are probably the the type of people that would be interested in your your camera um and as Carl's has has touched on this you know there are times where we think that you know this this world is massive that that we inhabit with using uh old lenses on digital cameras or on film cameras um but in reality it's not it's 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 very very small and then you've then got to take into consideration that there are people that want to have um a digital camera that will do absolutely everything and do it really well it like IAF focus and uh, uh, stabilization on the sensor and stuff like that, mm-hmm. um, and then you've got people that want their film camera to work in a in a particular way, and there are so many different ways to make it for a film camera to work. Um, aren't, aren't you risking that you produce a camera that doesn't do anything in the way that people actually want them to do to the degree that they want them to do it? Uh well, of course, uh, one there is this risk. The main pillar is that uh, you cannot please everyone. Uh, so I cannot make and I will not make a camera that will be everything to anyone. But the goal is that uh, let's say two different personas. So let's say that you are someone who only needs a film camera you don't need to buy the digital back you simply need the film back so you have a 35 millimeter body uh, that can uh, uh, be connected to 35 millimeter and 120 backs and uh, you can choose the lens you can shoot with uh, so th- this is uh, one kind of photographer the other one is the person who normally uses a phone uh, to take pictures uh, what we are essentially giving them is a sort of uh, small tablet uh, with uh, a full-frame sensor instead of the teeny-weeny sensor of uh, normal cameras. So imagine having uh, your iPhone or your smartphone or whatever you use uh, with a full-frame sensor. And uh, uh, I... Uh, in my opinion, maybe I will be the only one uh, needing that, but the first time that I actually uh, shot with a full-frame sensor connected to uh, a tablet-like back uh, in our tests, I was literally drooling uh, because you have the really best from both experiences. You have the a real sensor, large as a, as a film one, so you get all the details that you need. And uh, we, we were using uh, a 36 megapixel full frame sensor. And uh, imagine looking at it from a screen that is like an iPhone X sized. Uh, so you have a retina screen. You have the autofocus, but you can focus pushing on the screen 
uh, you have uh, artificial intelligence so you can recognize faces you can uh, have a voice a memo uh, added to to the image you can have whatever you want so this is another kind of persona you can mix the two you can decide and tell me okay i'm weird enough to buy both digital and film backs why because if you're like me you may need to uh, shoot one for the aesthetics and the other one for practicality so mm, it's a risk but as i told you i'm less a marketer and more a uh, from this point of view and let me call it the way an adapter or a, of existing technology so there are thousands of people that are smarter than me in uh, marketing and i invite them to uh, give me their suggestions but what i'm going to do what i'm going to offer is a chance it's like when you give someone uh, a, a fishing rod you can decide to keep it uh, in your in your uh, closet or you can go use it to go and fish <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm giving you a tool it's up to you to use it i wonder how the i wonder following up on the marketing i, I wonder how it actually would go uh, the rolling out of a product like this and getting people to want to buy it because i'm just thinking about myself okay so i go on a trip to Washington relatively often and I find hours of time to go out and walk around and I have my overcoat on and in one pocket I have my Fuji XE2 mm -hmm. with a Voigtlander 15 millimeter lens digital yeah. and in my other pocket I have a Leica 3A with some black and white film in it and a 35 millimeter lens. Two yeah. little tiny cameras and I walk around and I do street photography with the Leica and then once in a while I'll pull out the digital camera and I'll shoot some urban scapes. I'm perfectly happy. And after all we've talked about so far, I wouldn't buy that camera that we're talking about now. So how, mm -hmm. how does that go that people um, like me would be interested in buying this thing? Well, uh, you're perfectly right. If you are perfectly satisfied with uh, your actual solution, uh, keep it and continue doing it. And I'm, uh, for sure, <laughs> for sure, I'm not the right people able to, to convince people to uh, change their habits. What I can say is that uh, I usually go out having in, uh, uh, like you, uh, having in one pocket, I have uh, a, a small rollie. Uh, in the other one, I have uh, a, a Sony a, A7 uh, and Alpha 7. And uh, I, if I have time and uh, if I will, I also have a, a Roleflex uh, in uh, just to, in, in the old dual lens reflex format. Uh, but what I can tell you is that if uh, while I'm taking a photo, and I'm telling, oh, well, uh, I can't remember the name of this place and I need to put my camera down, take my phone out and Google the name of the place. Or if I need to give an editor a photo uh, on the run, uh, maybe a film photo, uh, I cannot do it at the moment because I need to come back, develop the film at home, scan the film and send to the editor. What I can do later and what what I do actually is to uh, take the picture uh, using a daylight film developer on on the run, having my film developed, scan it with the digital part of the camera, 
using the digital back of the camera as a phone so I can Google, I can send mails, I can send that same image to my cloud server, to the editor, to the client, to whoever I want. So it's not a matter of uh, changing what you have. It's a matter of improving the opportunities that you have. Uh, I see the POMF camera like an enhancer, not as a necessary tool. No, but that's good because the, the way you describe that um, seems to be a, a better marketing strategy. I mean, you just made me think about things that would be beneficial because I'm thinking, okay, well, instead of having a little digital camera in one pocket and a small film camera in the other, I'd have a camera in one of my pockets until I took it out and I, and I would have a, a, ba a back in the other. And so I, instead of taking a different camera out, I'd still have to take a thing out and switch the back and put it back in my pocket. But I didn't think about all of the other functionality that you just described, which I think is a better marketing strategy. Well, uh, thank you. As I told you, I'm, I'm not. It was a good. I mean, it was good. You just made me realize that there's some positive things that I hadn't even thought about. Uh, it's it's just the way I'm using this camera. I mean, I use this camera to um, to do things that I cannot do usually with any other camera and yep. with any other phone. So yeah. uh, when I when you have simply I uh, simply uh, invite users <sighs> to close their eyes for a moment and think about a seven inches or a ten inches tablet. If you ever had one. Uh, a 10 inches monitor is that good to look at when you are trying to add memos to a photo or if you're trying to... Uh, let's consider that uh, a Raspberry Pi is, is not the most powerful unit that you get. We are designing a more powerful back, of course. But it's powerful enough to let you run GIMP, that is a, a photo editor, and so you can edit uh, your levels uh, on the camera, so you can shoot on film, you can scan the film, you can open GIMP, which is uh, a non-commercial version of Photoshop, and you can uh, add layers, you can add filters, you can adjust the uh, the curves uh, for uh, the, the the darks and the whites. So uh, th there are so many opportunities. Of course, I'm sure that probably a lot of people will never want to do that in just one camera. I am the one who will do it because I'm the one who does it. Yeah. And, and it needs to be um, made very strong for people like Johnny and I who recently have had episodes of um, either falling down or mm -hmm. dropping, dropping their camera. Could you put it integrated? Imagine this. Here's a great idea. On a camera, you put a way of connecting something onto it to hold the camera so that you don't drop it. Like, you know, eyelets or a tripod mount or... Yeah. Or, yeah, right, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Eye struck. Or a mind control so that someone <laughs> so someone's walking along on the icy um, sidewalks doesn't look over at a at someone walking by and uh, and then trip on something and fall. Yeah. There's no cure for that. There's no yeah, cure yeah, for that, yeah. Carl. I, it's it hopeless. Happens. It happens. It happens every day. So, <laughs> no, uh, we, we were thinking, and, and that was my 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 partner. She's really she is the uh, artistic part of the couple. Uh, she suggested me. Well, 
first of all, think about a strap, think about an ice bag, think about something that you can do. Uh, you can think about a leather bag or whatever. But yes, yes, please do it if anyone out there has an idea like the Dora Goodman cameras. Uh, uh, you, you can mod the idea. You can, And I'm more than happy if anyone helps me not dropping every five minutes yes. the camera. It's, what we really need is an anti-gravity device because gravity <laughs> is gravity is the biggest killer of cameras, hands down. It's interesting, isn't it, though? That, um, so we've all dropped cameras and we've dropped lenses and things. And I've, I've broken cameras and Johnny has damaged cameras and I've broken lenses. But I dropped my iPhone X on the ground probably every other day and uh, <laughs> i have i have a 15 dollar piece of tempered glass on the front that i can get replaced for free and yeah. um and it never breaks I, I mean i drop it i drop it on the concrete <laughs> and it doesn't break and, <laughs> but i don't have i don't have any cameras that i can drop well, and then you don't break carl next time we go on a photo walk together and you ask to borrow my phone i'm gonna say no, thank you, Dr. Havens. <laughs> Find your own. What, what, what I can tell you, because it happens just uh, a couple of days ago, uh, I dropped the, the, my screen. And as I told you, it's, it's a seven inches screen. But I have tempered glass on it. So the tempered glass protected the, yeah. uh, the, the, the LCD. So I had just a couple of scratch, but I can change the tempered glass. And, That's right. Uh, the, 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 the digital back has no damage at all. Um, if you think that the digital computer inside, let's call it that way, so uh, the weight is less than 50 grams, so it's really, yeah. it's hard to damage it with an impact. Uh, and also, this is why I'm not making a plastic camera. So I'm not telling everyone, uh, I, I'm not against plastic cameras. I'm against myself because I can drop something from ground i'm able to re-drop re it on the ground if it, if uh, if it's uh, right there so that's why i decided for a um, alloy magnesium <laughs> camera because in that way you can not smash it but you can drop it and uh, you don't kill the camera to your first drop you need to drop it five times four times before uh, the camera declares can be declared dead so, <laughs> <laughs> That's so good I news. Think, yes, <laughs> of of course, it's more costly than a plastic camera. But if you are like me, and uh, uh, for what I heard, you are, uh, I continuously drop cameras. So I absolutely need a, a camera that's reliable and tough and rough. Yeah, no, I, I don't drop cameras. I'm, I'm, I, but I did recently drop. A beautiful camera. <laughs> Just don't even don't even talk about it, Carl. Oh, it's, God, it's, it's terrible. So, it's, and I, so sad it's that. So sad. I mean, I ruined a, like a, a really unique vintage camera by dropping it because it didn't have a strap on it. Well, no, because you didn't put a strap on it, Carl. We're going to blame the victim here, one hundred percent. You see, this, see what's what's going on here is, is is another reason why your your camera, Ralph, Ralph is so required because there's going to come come a point where there just aren't any film cameras anymore because of the three of you 
And, um, <laughs> and um, so we, we need to develop new film cameras so that people, you know, when we're gone, um, people can still buy, buy cameras. Now, I've got um, one, one final question, because I, I think we've kept you for long enough, but, I'm, but this, this question is probably the hardest one, and it's, it's a cruel question, and, uh, and I know there's, there's not going to be a straightforward answer for it. Um, Go ahead. But, but, but it's going to be a case of people that are interested in your camera um when when is it possible that anybody's going to be able to see or purchase i should say um what's a what's a, what's what kind of time scales are we are, are we talking with because we know there's a lot of problems you you haven't resolved but ideal world when when do you think there's a chance of this camera coming to the market uh well if um uh, let me say and i want to be completely open uh if I get some uh, good financial support uh, because that, that's the, 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 the key issue at the moment. I'm quite confident that as we have all the design for the electronics and the, uh, these design have been validated by Sony that we are working with, uh, and we have all the design for the mechanical parts of the camera and we know that they work, I think that we can go for the first minimum viable products let's say in uh, before the end of this year wow. uh, if, if i don't uh, reach uh, or if i am not able if i were not able to get any investment or any one step in and help me in the project from that point of view it will require more time because as you may imagine uh, when you are going to make a two million project without having two million <laughs> you need to make baby steps uh, i'm not afraid of taking thousands of baby steps but if uh, this is the last final call to action that i can do today if i'm allowed to if you want to help me please contact me uh, the the you can follow me or the project on facebook or on, on camera.com and if you want to drop me a line, if you want to uh, contribute in any way with your knowledge, with your time, feel free to do it because this is an open project. But if you are so interested that, or if you know someone uh, that can help also financially this project, we will be more than happy to chat and I hope that we can find a way to bring this camera on the market as soon as possible. Believe me, uh, I think that no one will be disappointed when we'll see what the camera can do. Uh, it's difficult to simply speak about it uh, without having one in your hands. Uh, it will be my pleasure sending uh, uh, each of you three uh, the, the, the first work in Franken camera. <laughs> Uh, but of course, uh, as you may imagine, the, the, the key issue at the moment is uh, how to step up in, uh, in the project. It's no longer the technical part. Uh, Raf, it's, it's been a, an absolute pleasure to listen to you. Um, and I, th I think, uh, I mean, we've, we've had a few chats before, before today and uh, we, we, we talked about some of the, the, the potential negativity around such, such, proje such yes. projects. And uh, yeah, there, there are a few questions I was going to be putting to you, but you've already headed off most of the things already within uh, the, the questions that you've, you've given. I, I really wish you the best and I hope that, um, that 
somebody out there um, can even if it, even if it's not a direct person that listens to this podcast, uh, somebody that uh, is connected that gets to hear about this, um, it'll be just great if we've uh, been able to help you along your way. Thank you very much, Simon. That's really kind of you. And what I'm uh, telling is also, if any one of the other projects is listening to this podcast, if anyone wants to make a bigger project, let's work together. I will be more and more than happy to uh, work together and making a, even a better camera. Uh, I, I'm not the, 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 the smart guy here and I don't want to have that role. Uh, so I, I'm always learning. So thank you very much for, uh, let me, for letting me speak to your audience. Thank you everyone for listening to our conversation and I wish you all the best too. Uh, thank, thank you, Raf. Thanks, Raf. Thank you. Right. Thanks. Right. I think um, we'll we'll bring things to a, to an end now. Um, uh, Johnny, have you got any any shout outs you might want to do? Uh, no, you know I'm going to save them for I'll save them for next week. Okay, and Cole. Good for now. Yeah, I'll do the same thing. Okay. 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 Well, I've just got a couple of things that uh, just just need to go over. Um, first one being. Um, Thank you to those people who donated to us in the last seven days. Uh, in particular, uh, we had uh, Nigel uh, donated to us. That's Nigel Cliff, uh, another excellent show, he said. So uh, thank you, Nigel. Um, Lawrence has donated to us again. He's do he does it every month, so he doesn't actually get the chance to actually say something. But, uh, but thank you all the same, Lawrence. And we also had a donation from Chris Holland. Uh, and Chris Holland is the uh, the person behind the Raynox 135 2.8 uh, wet in wet bokeh um, lens that uh, has preoccupied us for the last few shows and uh, and he's donated uh, two coffees to us um, and, uh, I wonder it, who didn't get one <laughs> exactly and it says uh, two uh, two coffees uh, for Simon and Cole for their fair review of the Raynox uh, 135 2.8 and uh, and in, instead of uh, a, instead of a coffee a message to Johnny uh, butter knife <laughs> I mean what kind of a name is that and um, and uh, it's more like it's sharp as a miracle blade um, especially compared to a Canon FD lens um, and he's, he's going to provide some uh, proof of uh, the sharpness of that lens as soon as he can go into his hard drive so uh, um, th thank, thank you there Chris um, and then uh, two other things uh, one uh, last week, uh, you may uh, listeners may remember, I tried to repair a Minox camera by banging it on the table, um, and it, it, strangely enough, it didn't work. Um, but I took it to uh, uh, PJ Cameras, and John uh, fixed it for me. And uh, interestingly enough, he didn't try to bang it on the table um, to, to fix it. He actually opened it up and did things to it, and now it works. So uh, <laughs> thank, thank, thank you, John. And uh, and nothing, no harm was done to the to the to, to the camera by my uh, methods of trying to fix it. And then uh, finally, from me, um, next week, uh, next Saturday, uh, there's a meetup. Uh, it's called the Mersey Meetup, and it's something I did last. Uh, uh, autumn um, joined with Stig of the Dump on, on Twitter and um, so yeah there's a, an analogue photo walk on 
Saturday next week. Um, so if anybody wants to come along, there's more details on photowalk.me. And on the subject of photowalk.me, there's another one that's just appeared on there. And that's something that's happening in March at the photography show in Birmingham in the UK, uh, where uh, the Sunday 16 podcast and Hamish Gill, friends of the show, um, are organising a, uh, a meetup there, which again is going to be predominantly uh, an analogue meetup, but I'm, I'm sure they won't mind uh, people turning up with the digital camera as long as you've got an old lens on it, maybe. Um, so, uh, more details of that on photowalk.me as well. So, uh, it'd be good if anybody can come along on Saturday, and uh, and the same goes in March when the, uh, the, when the uh, photography show's on. So, uh, that's pretty much it from from me. Um, let's go quickly go back to um, Raf. Um, you've got you, you're on the internet with pomf.com. Um, are there any other means of uh, people seeing what you're up to, like Instagram and Flickr and things like that? Yes, the link is pomfcamera.com, and uh, on Facebook is Pomf Camera as well. Uh, so you you can find us there. And uh, I mean, this is the main two uh, ways to, these are the two main ways to contact us. So uh, you can come and uh, have a look. And uh, from there, you will be able to join the group uh, where we have the uh, future developers and the future testers of the camera. So uh, it's it's something that you can also come and join. And uh, that's it. So. Uh, Thank you very much again for all the time that you dedicated to our project. No, it's been a, been a pleasure. Um, so, Johnny, how can people follow you outside of this podcast? Um, you can uh, find me on Instagram at, at System Photography. I've been taking a break, but uh, some stuff coming up there soon. Um, and you can find me uh, every day but Monday uh, at Central Camera Company in Chicago in person. And you can send us an email if you'd like. Well, you can send... Uh, Carl and Simon an email and I'll be forced to read it. You can say nice things to them if you like and not not so nice things to me if you like at uh, classiclensespodcast at gmail.com um, You can also post things on Instagram with the hashtag bestvintagelens and you can get featured there and please watch for uh, the spectacular show notes yet to come about this show over there in that forum and much love to Chris and uh, much love to uh, Ricardo. <laughs> and uh, we, we would normally hand over to Carl to say uh, his stuff, but he's, he's had to go. So, um, oh, <laughs> that was a sincere much love, by the way. I'm serious. Really yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. yeah, all good. It's all good. It's all yeah. good. So, it's all in fun. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Carl is on Instagram as Carl underscore Havens. Um, uh, where else is Carl? Is he, is he, yeah, he's on, he's on Flickr as well. Um, yep. But main, mainly uh, in the Facebook group Photography with Classic Lenses, which is pretty much our, our host group. And uh, uh, I'm on Instagram as Simon Forster Photographic. I'm on Twitter as Simon4. That's S-I-M-F-O-R. Uh, I have a, a website, which is simonforsterphotographic.co.uk. And I have a eBay shop. If you do a seller search for it's Fozzy, all this information is in the uh, show notes, uh, which we publish in 
uh, our Facebook group, which is Photography with Classic Lenses. Uh, I also put it into mflenses.com. Uh, it's, you can find us now on Podbean, so you get access to the to the notes there as well. So that's it for today. Um, it's been a really interesting show. Learned a lot, and I uh, hope you've enjoyed it. And I uh, hope you can join us all again next week. So thank you and goodbye. <laughs>